Tales from the Chip, Episode 9 with Brent Martin. Brent is part of the legendary Martin family. And after Bill and Gary, he's the third generation to dominate on the chip. Brent is one of the finest spinners in the MPCA and has been for some years now, even though he only turned to bowling spin well into his career. This episode was also recorded live face-to-face. Hi, I'm Brent Martin. I'm a third-generation Red Hill cricketer. I uh, grew up Mount Martha, one of four brothers, and, yeah, I've had some good battles in the backyard. The Martin backyard battles, they would be interesting. Yeah. I actually found out recently, um, our mum found out from one of our neighbours they actually moved house because of us playing cricket. Um, not that they... <laughs> It's not that they didn't like cricket, like they, they actually didn't have the heart to tell mum or dad that um, they, like we get, we, every day we were jumping over the fence pretty much, getting the balls from the yard, um, trying to sneak in, but obviously being a nuisance, um, destroying their flowers and stuff, so they ended up moving house. Um, so, yeah, sorry about that if you're, if you're listening, old Jeffy. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't have just, you know, made the fence a bit higher or something and it probably would have been easier than moving but. yeah we sort of had we sort of encouraged six now it was really if you got six now you got two more balls kind of to bat so um yeah that was probably a downfall so you could go for 18 and out or something yeah that's sort of if you hit a six you sort of want to keep going because you sort of start hitting the right so yeah so the four of you in the backyard so what's the age what's the age range you're the oldest. Yep, so I'm 30, I'm the oldest. Um, next is Sean, he's 28. And there's a four-year gap to uh, Kyle, um, so he's 24. And then the youngest, Dylan, he's he's 22. So it was always uh, myself and Dylan, sort of make it fair, oldest and youngest versus Sean and Kyle. Um, yeah, very heated test match battles. Um, it was always last man standing. Um, and then obviously, Every day when, when Dad would get home from work, we'd be, be into him to come and bowl to us, uh, which he did. He was, he was very good. Um, and that's sort of definitely where the love of cricket grew. Oh, very good. So that's sort of, that's your earliest memories of cricket in the backyard, I guess. Um, what about cricket on TV or, or watching cricket or, um, you know, sort of broader cricket memories from around that period of time? What can you remember? Yeah, so I was more—I was more one of those kids that I wasn't a good watcher. So um, one of my earliest memories is going to the MCG. Uh, it was West Indies v Australia, and uh, Dad was like an MCC member, and I remember just being like taking my bat and ball, and I'd watch a little bit and be like, "Oh, can we go just play some cricket in the?" Um, like outside the toilet, and I remember getting told off. I, think I might have even had the bat confiscated once um, by the officials and the members because they weren't too happy with me just trying to hit um, a few boundaries in there outside the toilets. Um, but I do remember it was, um, yeah, West Indies, Australia. Uh, Steve, I think it was 2000, 2001, so it would have been about nine years old, 10 years old, and. Uh, yeah, Steve Wall made 100, um, but I actually remember um, the keeper for West Indies. Um, his, name was, his name was Ridley Jacobs. I remember, I don't know why this is stuck in my mind, but over the, over the grandstand, they announced that he'd, take, like he'd broken the record for most dismissals in an innings. I think he got seven dismissals. And I remember wanting to become a wicketkeeper after hearing that. Um, but it was a... Yeah, stacked, stacked um, Windy's team. They had obviously had Brian Lara. Um, I think I think Jimmy Adams was the captain. I remember him coming Jimmy. on to bowl. Yeah, I think he bowled a few leggies. I think it was at the end end of the day for a few overs. Um, yeah, but because we were in the members, we got to see the players um, sort of come through the race. I remember trying to get the high five off Steve War. Um, yeah, and. I think Andy Bickle had a day out too, so I was really impressed. I wanted to be like, bowl fast Andy like Andy Bickle. Bickle and then be a keeper. Yeah. Yeah, I've got similar memories. Um, 
I think it must have been the first. It was, it was a one day, and I was even bored at a one day. I went with my cousin, and same thing. Like every twenty minutes or so, you go and like just run around in the grandstand or something, and like try and like run a lap of the ground, or yeah, just couldn't sit still even at one day. I think well, that was when they used to play those games in winter at um, Docklands. Oh, uh, yeah, those yeah. random games in footy season somehow. Um, I remember going to one of them. I think it was against South Africa. It, was, it ended up being a tie. I remember that the end of the game was really exciting. I remember that. Um, but yeah, through those middle overs and that when there's not much happening, it's pretty boring when you're a nine-year-old or whatever it was. Yes. Uh, all right, so then um, everyone probably knows what sort of led you to Red Hill, um, knows sort of the basics of that, but what led you up to play cricket at Red Hill is a bit of a, a yeah, journey. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's not as straightforward um, as many people might think. But um, obviously when I was a little tacker, I was always running around um, up at the club as Dad was playing. Um, I remember, yeah, trying to go in the rooms, um, going around the boundary trying to be that, be the fielder. Like if the ball would hit for four, I'd go get the ball from the other side of the fence. Um, and yeah, I remember Ollie McKillop, he was always up there because his brothers were playing. So I remember um, playing some cricket with him in that little, where the old club rooms were in that sort of um, dugout area, sort of like a breezeway. Um, always playing there with him. And also uh, Paddy Rotherham, he was always gave me the time of day to, it just, I was like only five to seven. He was always under on the ball to me at the rooms. Um, yeah, so great memories. There was also one rule, um, one rule that if if Brownie was batting, I wasn't allowed to um, to be on the playground because he had a he had a tendency to hit bombs and hit them hard. There was one day I was sitting in one of the old fiberglass um, the coach the footy coaches boxes, and he he's hit this six that's just gone straight through it, and I would have been a few meters from it. So after that, Dad said, if Brownie's, you see Brownie coming in, you are not on the playground. You are around with us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. Um, yeah, a little foresight from Gus there. Do not, do not be out. Get, get undercover when Brownie's batting. Um, yeah, especially that uh, playground that was right in the, in the zone, I would have thought, back then, not the longest boundary going around. Mm. Um, yeah, so you mentioned your dad. So Gus, obviously... A Red Hill legend, um, but you didn't start your juniors at Red Hill. No, so we grew up in Mount Martha, so went to the, the Mount Martha Primary School, as it was obviously the closest, and met a few people there, good friends, um, such as Matt Pollock, and they sort of were playing around the corner, so I just sort of jumped in with the group, and we all started playing at, at Mount Martha, uh, under 12s. I think Dad was the coach one year, we had a... Uh, yeah, quite a number of very talented coaches at Mount Martha. Actually, we had one year we had Timmy Bateman, uh, Gary Ablett, not the Geelong Gary Ablett. Gary Ablett. <laughs> yeah, Gary Ablett was very involved um, with the juniors at Mount Martha. Uh, yeah, yeah, Dave Sands. One year had uh, Timmy Moran, and yeah, very lucky with, I guess, the exposure I got to cricket uh, at Mount Martha in those early days. And yeah, then that's um yeah really good names in there. Mount Martha were pretty strong in the sort of early two thousands when when Brownie had gone there and um yeah they've always had really strong juniors. Um, and then who was it? Nobby was saying that yeah they had a really strong connection with their seniors coaching junior sides and stuff like that. And especially you know they probably had three teams in every age group, so they would have needed a lot of coaches. So um, that would have been a really good. Uh, introduction to cricket I'm guessing yeah I think it was I think it was under 14s we had Timmy Bateman and Tim Moran might have been under 16s 14s or 16s anyway it got to finals and we had a semi-final against the we finished I think we just scraped into fourth and we were playing um, playing Dalicombe Park who we played them during the year they'd bowled us out for about 10 and they'd made 150 and then sent us back in and that we might have been eight for 15 
and that was the end of day one and every other team every other team in the league that week it was a washout because the second week didn't go ahead we've almost lost outright in the day and we're playing them in the them in the grand final with a with a stacked team so i think timmy moran and tim bateman i think they didn't even rock up to the semi because they just gave us no hope and then we started going all right and then i think i reckon timmy moran rocked up very hungover when no that doesn't sound like timmy <laughs> i think we'd it was the second innings and we'd made i think we limped to 130 and they had a stack team they had uh, they had this guy Woldridge, who they were all man childs um james spencer another one these huge kids that were just bullying us they even had reese elmy in that team as well and they just completely choked and we had like i think seamus Breitag might have taken a hat trick it was just these the weirdest game of cricket and of I have actually definitely realised that Delacombe Park, that ground, weird things happen at that ground, especially between Red Hill and Delacombe. Yeah, it does. We'll uh, get to a little bit more of that a little bit later. Um, but yeah, my heart goes out to Delacombe Park choking in a final. I really feel for them. <laughs> um, so yeah, most of your juniors there. And then you came up and started playing in the seniors at Red Hill before you'd finished juniors i think yes so i i got a couple of senior games at mount martha i think my first one was actually against red hill and i remember playing against grant ryan and he he said what are you doing playing here you're you're red hill through and through and that sort of made me think and then the actual following year they were sort of i'm not sure who was the brains behind it but scott marone was captain and they organized this father-son uh training sort of training sessions during the preseason. So uh, obviously myself and Terry Doyle's son, Luke, we were playing, he was playing at Mornington. So they, I think they organized it to try and get us to Red Hill. Um, it worked, obviously. And yeah, sort of started from there. Uh, I was about, I was 15 at the time. Uh, started in the, in the fifths and then just throughout the season, worked my way up. Play, I was playing the fifths with Frankie, and they ended up going fourth, and then I think thirds, like that was when uh, Riley Shaw, he was sort of the up and coming kid, so I got to play a bit of cricket with him, and then went, yeah, seconds, and lucky enough to end in the end in the first towards the end of the season. Uh, much to Mount Martha's, I remember the, the coach of Mount Martha just saying, What? You're playing in the ones. <laughs> and it was obviously, like looking back, it might have been a bit of trying to get me to, to Red Hill because you know, I was still playing juniors at Mount Martha at the time but it definitely worked and yeah felt felt uh, good about my cricket yeah so a good piece of uh, foresight I guess from whoever was in charge of that they sort of thought we've got a couple of kids here that we want to get so you know how can we how can we go about that without you know really poaching too much I guess you've probably always going to end up at Red Hill at some stage um, I'm guessing with your dad but um, might have just sped it up a little bit so yeah, he went through to the first really really quickly the team was obviously um, not going that well but we, we won a few games that year I'm pretty sure we weren't we definitely weren't on the bottom um, so your first game was against who in the in the first uh, it was Rye yeah playing against yeah Rye and uh, Mick McKenzie was a tear away quick at the time. I think I came out to bat at 9 or 10, 11. And, yeah, the first ball I saw it, uh, I was like a Yorker at the stumps, and I managed to just get my bat in front of it. And he sort of had a weird action for his, his bouncer. It had sort of come from behind his head, a little bit like Lincoln. And I did not see it. I remember what are you just... trying to say with that? It, no, just it was like his effort ball, and yeah, it just it did, it did. You could see where the first ball came from. The second one, just the difference where the release point, and yeah, it was it was it was quick, and I didn't I didn't see the ball. I just felt it go past my grill, and yeah, you just hear that thud in the in the keeper's gloves. Like, oh, I don't want to be here. So that was a yeah, I was 
that was my introduction to to first eleven cricket. Now, was that the game when Gary broke the record? Was that the same game? No. When they got Ian Aitken to yeah, so watch? that wasn't the same game. It was it was early on um, yeah, it was in about my that time. Yeah. yeah, it might have been a few games later, but they yeah, Gary was about well, Dave was about to take the take the record from the wickets record from Ian Aitken. I think he'd he'd organised things to get to the ground that day and we we were batting first, so he could only make the first week as well. So we're batting first, and oh, he's not he's going to miss it. And anyway, we ended up having to go in at the end of the day for oh, I think it was five or six overs. So Scott Moran was catching the time. He's opened with Terry down the hill and and Dad bowling up. And I'm at I'm at Gully. Uh, Terry's at first or second slip, and Terry's jokingly said he's like oh. How good would it be? Bold Martin, Court Martin. He's like, you know what's going to happen here? It's going to come to me. I'm just going to give a little little tap over to you. And then, of course, the next ball, the ball edged, goes to Terry and he drops it. And <laughs> he's, Terry doesn't, he didn't take it very well. He's just, he was down. He's head in his hands. He was, um, he was defeated and everyone was obviously getting into him and, yeah, Gary didn't end up getting a wicket that for the for the remaining five overs. So yeah, Inaka missed it. He he had to wait next week to break the record. Yeah, I do remember that. I remember, I, I wasn't in the team, but I remember that happening. Um, since since well, we've since found out that it's not the the wickets record anyway. Um, we've dug a fair bit deeper into the records, and there's a few guys that have um, had taken quite a quite a few wickets more than that at the time. So. It wasn't the record, but at the time, you know, it was, it was, I guess. So yeah, um, it still would have been a pretty special um, moment, especially if Ian could have been there. Ian's um, no longer around, unfortunately. Um, and you had an interesting, I remember you had an interesting sort of conversation with Terry about opening the bowling one day. Do you remember that? Open bowling? When um, Scott asked you which end you'd like to bowl from. Oh, I remember at Hastings. I think it was at Hastings. Where, yeah, first time I was going to open the bowling. Cause I was I was bowling medium pace originally, and I think yeah, Scott asked me, and I might have said which end I wanted at Hastings, and then it was not going to happen. <laughs> Terry, Terry was going to bowl from wherever Terry wanted to bowl to, and of course, understandably, he was the the champion. And did you have the? Um, did you get set up with sitting in Terry's spot in the rooms for your first game? Oh, I definitely did. Yeah, definitely experienced that. I sort of had a, I was around Terry's house a lot, but so I was I got on really well with him. I was obviously friends with his son Luke, but cricket it was just it was just different. He was the he was the king. He was the alpha, and yeah, he'd always he'd always stand like on the seat. He wouldn't. He wouldn't just sit down. He'd he'd actually stand on top of the seat to like be an imposing figure and yeah. And get changed like that sometimes. Yes. Very yes. Um, I miss those old rooms. They were those rooms downstairs. It was always really cold, like cool in there. So when it was really hot, um, it was always like you know quite a few degrees cooler down there, and you had the old showers and. There was plenty of room, and yeah, I really miss those old rooms. There was, there was the stench of Denkerub. Yeah, they were pretty, pretty dingy and pretty old, but they were sort <laughs> of uh, they had a bit of charm, I, I thought. Uh, okay, so that was early on in the seniors. Um, Scott was coach, and then what happened after that? What, what happened in the next few years after that in the in the first? So. Yeah, Scott Moran was coach. Uh, he was, yeah, really good for for us younger kids that were all sort of coming through at that stage. Uh, I remember one day I dropped Rob Bedford, who was a bit of a legend, um, this difficult catch where I had to run. I was at point and had to run backwards over my head and I dropped it. And the entire training session the next Tuesday, it was just one-on-one with Scott Moran. It was just me and him and he made me... It would have been over 100 catches just the whole night. It was just hitting him over my head, so I had to run backwards. Um, so I don't think he appreciated me dropping, yeah, one of the, the best bats the Mornington potential has ever seen. 
And yeah, definitely very thankful for that. Looking back now though, sort of they instilled that that sort of hard work. Um, you gotta work for things and especially the little things to, to get success. Then sort of following that, um, we yeah, sort of we were always sort of that sixth, seventh position on the ladder. And then uh, as we lost or a few of the older guys retired, uh, we sort of started just hanging on into district. And then finally, we yeah, got relegated, which looking back was sort of what we needed. Um, you don't obviously think about that at the time because it's incredibly hard to, to get back up as we found. But yeah, we definitely, we definitely sort of needed that to, to go to a, a lower standard, just so we can all the younger guys coming through could more so build their build their confidence up. We had coaches and captains Dave McLean, uh, Ross Caulfield, Terry Doyle, obviously, and those guys sort of they they taught us how to play cricket in the right way, and obviously how to develop. But it's sort of still up to it was still up to us that sort of core group of younger guys like. Yourself, uh, Riley Shaw, Nick Shaw, Luke Doyle, Ollie McKillop, uh, Lincoln, obviously, although Jamie Cole, all those sort of guys. We we had the talent at juniors, but we weren't really putting it on the park, making that step up to the to the first eleven. Yeah, that's right. I think I spoke about it with Nobby and a couple others. We were sort of at the right age when we got relegated that we were ready to sort of contribute a lot more. Like when we were in district and we were struggling, we were sort of, you know, chipping in here and there, but we weren't really the main players on the team, you know, scoring the bulk of the runs and getting most of the wickets. So then when we got relegated and the standard dropped slightly, we were sort of ready to, you know, and it was at the same time where we were ready to start contributing a bit more. So it worked out sort of, it sort of skipped us forward a little bit in, in development, I guess. So, mm. Um, it was really good timing for that. I think, yeah, it had to happen. We couldn't just keep hanging on, treading water, going absolutely nowhere. Um, and that coincided with uh, Glenn coming to the club as well. So um, we sort of know what happened after that. We had Glenn for a year and and um, through Glenn and, and a couple others, we ended up with uh, another pretty good, you could say, captain coach. Okay, player. Um, pretty reasonable player. Uh, so that was Darty. So, um, what are your memories of of that time when Darty first arrived on the scene? So yeah, that around that time, that was sort of probably a low for me in terms of enjoying my cricket. So I was a yeah, I was a medium pace bowler, and just from the, the backyard trying to bowl fast off no run up, I sort of developed like a, a bit of a throw. It was like a yeah, a bit of a throw, just a real wristy sort of action. And instead of coming straight through, it was coming from sort of behind my head. So I got sort of told I couldn't bowl for, I think it was six months or something. So no, it was stupid. Like the, the rules were just ridiculous. It was like, you know, you had umpires that didn't even know the basic rules of cricket and they're trying to make calls on people's actions and then they're saying, pulling out just these arbitrary numbers of you know, weeks you're not allowed to bowl for. And it was just, the whole thing was a circus, in my opinion. Um, yeah. The end result was, was good because you started bowling spin. Yeah, so there was, I think it was PK's idea. Um, he said, well, let's just not bowl him until we make the finals. So I didn't bowl all year. And then come the semi-final, it was a game against Pines. Yeah, no, oh, sorry, the grand final was against Pines. Semi might have been, yeah, against Pearsdale. So that was my first bowling for the for the year. I think I took I think I took two wickets in the semi and then four in the granny. Uh, we lost, but after that, yeah, then it sort of became apparent that I should maybe try and swap the spin where it's not it's still the same action really, it's just less noticeable. It's it's it was more where my wrist was really weird wrist action it was more where it was coming from so spin obviously your wrist is putting it's going on an angle to generate the spin so it worked a lot better and it might have been a yeah a blessing in disguise 
Yeah, you could say that because um, yeah, basically been one of the better spin bowlers in the in the competition from basically day one of bowling spin. There wasn't really any, you know, you sort of just sort of just flicked the switch and started bowling spin really really well. It wasn't any like lead up time or obviously there was a bit of the preseason and that, but it wasn't like um, you were struggling in games or anything. It was just straight into it. So. Um, yeah, it was definitely a blessing in disguise, I'd say. Um, and that basically led straight into a premiership year. I think, was that the first year you were bowling spin? Was a premiership year? Uh, I think so, yes. So, first year, yeah. I didn't, because I, it was sort of, it was very similar for me. Because my strength as a medium pace bowler was my control. And I was really wristy, so I'd get all my control just from my wrist. Like my action, it'd be horrible, but I'd just finish it with my wrist. So spin wasn't really that different, where it was just wrist control to land the ball where I want it to. And then, yeah, took to it, took to it well. And then I also, like a few little things happened that just boosted my confidence back up. Uh, there was one game at Tukuruk where I'd come out to bat and yeah, obviously having a, this is when I couldn't bowl. And I think Brownie was on about 80. He was in the twos. Uh, Roscoe was in the twos that day. I think Kenny and uh, Putty, even Scotty Lavery. It was a real sort of really good group to be around. And we were chasing about 300. Scotty and Brownie had put on 150 for the first wicket or something. And I'd come in at four or five and Brownie's still going. And I came out. And it was the first young kid sort of come out. And the Tukaruk they've all started like sledging me because I was young and I was sort of yeah, wasn't enjoying cricket that much at that time and Brownie's just like the big imposing figure he was is just sort of walked down the pitch and absolutely sprayed this guy from Tukaroop because um, he was sort of a larger a larger lad and yeah it sort of gave me a lot of confidence and I think I went on to have a a 40 run partnership with Brownie where I made one not out and he he had every single I think he had every single fielder except one on the boundary and he would just in and over he took about 24 off it just six fours just splitting the gap every single gap there was he went over cover then over mid off then he went over mid on and it was yeah incredible yeah I, I wasn't playing that game either but I remember hearing that and um Brownie ended up in the ones after that game daddy daddy said uh, that's enough for me he's he's back he's in um I think he made 144, which was uh, Brownie's sort of bogey number for quite a while there. He made 144. Sounds familiar. I think someone else made 144, didn't they? It was 144. Yeah, he made it quite a few times. Um, Yeah, I might have made 144 once. We'll get to that episode. There'll be a whole episode (laughs) on that. Run you through that ball by ball. Um, Yeah, so that went straight into Premiership and then... You started making a few runs. Your batting sort of, sort of about the same time. Your bowling started to really take off. Your spin bowling, your batting started to sort of take off as well. Um, and no doubt, the highlight of your batting career would be the partnership with Darty in the district grand final. I'm guessing. Yeah, that was a obviously the grand finals, the ones you remember. It's yeah, very very fond memories of that day. It's it's, diff- it's it's really hard to describe what it's like batting with Daddy. He's it's like he's bipolar. He he just turns into a, a beast when he's when he's at the crease, and he'll he'll go laugh. One second he's laughing or he's telling you jokes. He's going to hit singles here, here, and here. And next second he's like looking at you with venom, like saying, "Don't you dare go out!" Like yeah, I've seen a few of them. He's yeah, awesome to bat with. That's like it's yeah, incredible. And yeah, I don't really remember too many, I guess. I remember a couple of shots I played. I remember a couple of shots Daddy played, but it, yeah, a lot of it's just turned into a blur. But the build-up, because um, I was not out on the Sunday overnight. So there was a lot of build-up throughout the week, a lot of thinking. Uh, I remember talk, I was doing a job at Dominator's house that week and he's just he was just so calm and relaxed. Like, oh, well, you know what's going to happen. You're going to make... You just have to make 70-odd and Daddy will make 100. Like everyone knows he's going to make 100, so it's not really that hard. And it just it all went to script and we yeah, chased down... Dominator. Prophetic. Just, chased uh, down 308. Made it make sense. 
Um, yeah, and we won't we won't talk about how you got out in that game either. It was no, that was a <laughs> um, horrible dismissal. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, a chico interesting. Uh, leg spinner got caught in his fingers, dragged down, half pitcher, bunt to to square leg. Just what you want. Yeah, but it sort of all worked out that day, didn't it? Like you got out, so then the next person could come in and jump on, and you know the wickets we lost sort of worked. Yeah, everyone in jumped in partnership. Like it sort of yeah, everyone jumped into the next partnership and, and took over. Um, you're right about batting with Darty. Like um, it's probably the best batting coaching you you would ever get from anyone. Like it's just. You know, he talks you through what he's doing. He talks you through what you should be doing. He talks you through how to do it. Like, but then, yeah, then one minute he'll make a joke about something and he'll sort of relax you a little bit. And then the next minute he'll hit you between the eyes with something. And it's just like, yeah, there's no, absolutely no doubt in my mind, the best times I've ever, the best innings, the best season I've had batting was when I opened the batting and Daddy batted at three for most of the years. And uh, most of the games and Matty Merrifield always got out first so I batted with Darty like every game so <laughs> like it was awesome Matty made a lot Matty made a lot of runs but he made them a lot quicker so he usually got out first he'd, be, he'd make about 40 and I'd be on like 5 <laughs> and then Darty would come in so it was like um, yeah no no, no doubt in my mind that was um, you know, the reason for me making a lot of runs that year and, and Matty as well was a big part of that because he would just fire up all the opposition and I would just you know shoot through under the radar they wouldn't worry about me at all they'd be trying to knock his head off and he'd be smashing them everywhere and picking fights and and I could just go about my work at the other end with you know no fuss whatsoever so it was perfect for me um yeah but that was a awesome season that one uh so we probably covered most of the on-field highlights in there but are there any other real on-field highlights for you just, yeah, the flags, obviously. Didn't do much in that one against Rosebud. Lincoln claims he caught us into district, but I think you look at the scoreboard, I reckon there's another catch that was pretty important. The Dalekone one, obviously, came from nowhere. That's, that's right up there. And the most recent one was... Yeah, that was it was pretty special. Um, even though we, we had a really tough semi that ended up ended up being the, the grand final win but more so where that came from we sort of had a round table chat after we lost to main ridge in december and then the way it worked out was we didn't lose another game for the season and if we had a lost even a home and away game we wouldn't have won the flag so that one was more the the other journey and uh beating pines who had a very good bowling lineup from where from where we were early in that game was a yeah really good win yeah that's right it was um yeah the the whole sort of season became knockout the whole second half of that season became knockout finals almost and then the last time we were away game we played Somerville in the semi-final um was against Pines obviously so that sort of became the semi-final and the the grand final not that we knew it at the time um but we won both of them and ended up on top of the ladder and yeah, that was the way it went. So you take it, um, and then the semi-final. Yeah, we were. Did we lose two wickets in the first over? I think it was two wickets very early on, either first or second over, um, and we we're three for pretty early on as well. Um, and Darty and Robbo rebuilt for a, a long time, um, and we scratched together about one eighty, was it one seventy, one eighty, and maybe not even that. Yeah, I think the. Yeah, tail wagged. I remember batting with Tommy. Um, yeah, you got about, what was it, 40, 50? Yeah, 50? yeah, I think Tommy, not quite 50, I think Tommy got the similar, 40 yeah, or something. that sort of got us to something that was defendable. Um, it was, bat, I think we batted out the day in the end, or did we have to bowl a couple overs? can't remember. No, I think we batted them out. Anyway, it was a really, really hard-fought game. Like, there was no... Um, neither team was sort of on top at any point like it was just well, apart from really early on when they were bowling but you know it was just so hard fought you couldn't really hard to get a partnership really hard to get wickets really hard to score freely like it was just yeah it was probably the hardest fought game i reckon i've ever played in um 
that was when I was keeping and <laughs> went pretty went pretty deep into the second innings, you know, pretty close to the eighty overs and geez, I could barely walk by the end of it. <laughs> if I had to yeah, if if a ball came to me late, I probably would have struggled to move to get it. So it was good that um the last couple of wickets hit the stumps, I remember. Remember uh that last wicket when the bloke shouldered arms and I thought <laughs> I obviously had the best view, and I could see he wasn't playing a shot. And I, out of the hand, I thought that's going to bowl him, and it did. And uh, yeah, that was the the winning that was wicket. Um, so that was that was uh, yeah, it was really exciting. And then yeah, and then basically a couple of days later, COVID, and here we are. So yeah. Uh, all right. So on field highlights covered. What about some off field highlights? You've got some. Uh, funny stories to live up to super was a bit of a highlight with his funny stories so might have something yeah off field the oh the nobby story that was the one about roscoe at french island that was yeah um but that was the funniest thing i've ever seen in my life and yeah i won't go over it again but even the build-up towards that where we were so confident going over on the ferry the first week daddy was talking about trying to organise a fishing charter for the second week before we'd even bowled a ball and, yeah, getting done. But it was just, yeah, that was a hilarious, hilarious moment. Um, yeah, one of the one of the funniest moments, it was, it was on field, but I'll never forget this. Um, this It's probably the best wicket I've ever got, more just because of the story behind it. It sort of... We just um, we just come up to district, so we yeah we'd been we'd got, we'd been in district, gone down to sub district, finally won that flag, and then up to district again. I think the first game, the first game of the season, like oh, we were always a bit unsure how we we're going to go because we'd experienced all that, um, all the losses from where we were there previously. We got Darty now, first ball of the innings, Darty Golden Duck. Like, oh, no. <laughs> and then I think two balls later, Torchu was batting supremely. He was like our, our gun behind Darty at that stage. He was out, I think, third ball also with Duck. So it's gone from that, and that was playing Somerville. We ended up winning that game. And the next game, I think it was against Seaford. Uh, Torch made 100. And Seaford were like a more middle-of-the-road team. And then the third game of that season, we played Delacombe Park. And that was like a, that was, we knew it was going to be a test. So they'd, they'd played off in the district grand final the year before. They had, uh, they were captained by Chris Bretain, had the sort of all-star lineup. And with Chico, Joel Malcolm, Chris and Ben Bretain, uh, Johnny Guthrie, all those sort of gun batsmen especially. So yeah, we're playing, playing at Dallacombe. Uh We've made... We've made, I think, 150, 170. I think you were opening. I remember you coming off. Yeah. And do you remember what you said when you came off? Yeah, I remember exactly what I said. <laughs> <laughs> I sat down and I just said, well, that bowler was way too good for me. <laughs> Sometimes you just know where you're at and I knew where I was at that day and uh, yeah, I had to get better from there. We were, we were in real trouble. We were like 5 foot 20 or like 6 foot. 40 or something we're in massive trouble um you know we scratched up to about 160 i think it was yeah Daddy got 100 yeah i think surprisingly Daddy got 100 i think brownie was the next top scorer with about 30 and i think no one else over 10 so it was yeah, sort of a typical red hill innings really Daddy making 100 and the rest of us not doing much um but then yeah this game just had everything because i think that then the second week came They've got this yeah, awesome lineup. I think can't remember who it was. You won't remember. Someone didn't rock up the second week. Yeah, it sort of the second week sort of fell into place for us because they they we had to bowl a couple overs at the end of the day for four overs maybe or something on the first week and they put someone into open that didn't usually open and then it happened to be that he'd got injured during and he wasn't going to bat at all. So we sort of had a wicket before we got there. Um, so that sort of gave us a little bit of a boost, and then it was a, it was um, it was a bit wet that day, so we were on and off quite a few times, which really um, usually suits the bowling team, I feel, because the batsmen have got to keep stopping and starting, and you know the conditions change a little bit, and 
there's sort of that bit of uncertainty. So it sort of fell into our fell into our hands a little bit. Um, yeah, and like you said, it was our first sort of real challenge in districts. The other two games we'd won reasonably comfortably in the end. Um, yeah, I think it was, it was a really big game. It was a really big sort of challenge for us, yeah, and it sort of winning that game gave us a, a lot of confidence. Um, but yeah, I remember. Yeah, your wicket was. There were, yeah, it was, a, it was a few moments because I think I think it might have been Maddie Merrifield that could he, something happened in the week and couldn't rock up. And oh, uh, from uh, yeah, that's right. I, yeah, I couldn't Maddie remember was it Maddie? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so Josh Mould, who um, he wasn't even playing cricket at the time. Yeah, he wasn't playing cricket. <laughs> but he was a, just a freak fielder. Like, oh, Josh, you want to come field for us? Yeah, how we got away? Looking back. <laughs> so we've got like this absolute gun fielder. Uh, he's got a cannon arm of course he's got a direct hit run out and uh, I remember so we yeah they started had that wicket already um, from the retired hood I think it was and then yeah we've made 170 they're on about they were cruising they were Lincoln, 1 for 90 I think and Lincoln got Guthrie early I remember yeah and then, and then Chico, Chico and Britain were cruising yeah, and I remember I caught Chico on the boundary of Jim, wasn't it? They would have been yeah, eighty or ninety odd, just cruising, looking like they were just gonna knock off the runs and see you later. And probably that's what the rest of their batsmen were thinking as well. By the by the um, yeah, what happened for the rest of the game? Yeah, and then so Chris retains, yeah, dominating, looks class above, and Daddy's brought on Tom McCarthy the the big sort of very gentle yeah very gentle he's outswingers. like he's got the long the long locks uh he's got the he had a great action actually great sort of um lovely outswing action. yeah and he's come on and he's yeah got a bowl to chris retain and chris retains hitting him well getting runs here getting runs there and then daddy's just he's just sort of stopped the game sort of and gone in the middle and said nah we've had enough we're being dictated to by bush cricketers and yeah, we sort of we're all the younger guys. We're all like, oh, we've we've been in district, we're being smashed, and then this guy is just calling Chris Britain to push cricket, and we're like, what? And it sort of gave everyone. I don't know. You felt you felt like you belonged a little bit, and yeah, it was literally the game changed at that moment. Next ball, Tom McCarthy's just it's just playing miss now, just playing miss, playing miss, and I think the third or fourth ball edged him off, and yeah, it was bizarre, and then. Yeah, then the rain came, and then uh, that was sort of like the time when I sort of came on to bowl, and I think I was bowling to um, oh, Joel Malcolm and oh, I mean Ben Bretain at that stage, and yeah, the rains came, the, the ground sort of got started to get a bit slippery, and the ball's starting to skid on a bit, and I've got a wicket, and the next batsman in is uh, Andy Christides. And he's walked the whole way out to the uh, middle of the middle of the ground. He's he's got the chalk. He's marked centre, and then as the uh, the rain sort of de- developed more and more, he hasn't even faced a ball, and we're off for rain. So he's always come out. He's marked centre, and then we're all off. So everyone's running off. Uh, Brownie's at first slip. He's he thought he'd have a good idea. He'd go. He's gone because it's wet. He's gone and rubbed out the chalk mark on middle. And he's gone and put it uh, outside, sort of, or sort of like leg stump, and even a bit outside. And he's just remarked it there. So he's gone. Hang on, boys. Watch this. Watch this. <laughs> so, so yeah, we're all, we've all gone off, and he's sort of telling us what he's done. We've gone back out there, and then first ball I've bowled. Uh, it's sort of just general general stock ball, and Andy's folded arms. He's batting on outside leg, his shouldered arms, it's taken out his off stump. And I've never, like, I've just got a wicket. I've never had a wicket where not one person came to me to congratulate me. The whole team just sprinted and jumped on Brownie. And, um, yeah, it was incredible. But, yeah, that game was really, uh, it was a really big game for us because it really showed that we, we knew we had what it takes to be at that level. And it was sort of that, yeah, Daddy's moment and Brownie's moment, just sort of breaking it up with either comedy or seriousness to really kickstart us and, yeah, teach us that we we belong there. Yeah, Brownie just he couldn't believe it worked. He was like, 
yeah he did it you know just it was a bit of a joke thinking you know you come back out and he you know check center again and put it in the right spot but he didn't and then the, the wicket straight away and brownie just couldn't believe it uh it was hilarious i reckon he yeah. took a one hand like after that it was just like we just after that moment we'd won like brownie started taking like one hand slips catches it was just everything was just and then he happening. dropped it and he dropped a sitter dropped the number 11 and <laughs> we had to field for an extra 40 minutes with them nine down that's right <laughs> um but yeah daddy that moment with retain it was sort of like you know, Brutain's probably the best cricketer in the MPCA at that point. Probably still pretty close to it. Um, yeah, and then Darty sort of just had a bit of a go at him and it was sort of like, well, yeah, our guy's still better than you. Like, you know, <laughs> the best cricketer in the MPCA, but yeah, you know, Darty's way better than you. And that sort of, yeah, filtered through the rest of us, which was which was really good. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so probably mentioned a few already. Um, what about some of your favourite teammates from over the years? Yeah, so sort of early days was the that group of sort of guys coming through together. So like Luke Doyle, Ollie McKillop, yourself, uh, oh, Pucci. If anyone has had the pleasure of um, playing cricket with Pucci, it is it is an experience like no other. <laughs> the Pucci. I remember he's just so relaxed run outs just underarm you'll get people out by five millimeters and just be like just relax lads like, don't panic on the run out that's always his message i think my favorite poochie story just to cut in there was um when he was batting with darty and uh spinner was bowling and he came around the wicket to poochie left-handed and he and darty said all right so it's obviously going to angle into you now so fields back just knock it into the leg side get a single easy they go back down. Poochie hits him for six back over his head. <laughs> <laughs> and Daddy comes back down and goes, or just do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. And that sort of just summed up Poochie. Just however you want to do it, it's fine. <laughs> and the yeah, opposition have tried to have tried to get into his head and they quickly realise it doesn't work. You can't they I remain ridge thought that um and I think it was a semi final. They thought they'd bowl to him. They had a seven two field to him and Pooch being a left-handed batsman, he he just he'd flick it to mid-wicket. So then they thought they'd try and get in his head by making it a an eight-one field, and then he'd just do the same shot four runs over mid-wicket. So they thought they'd go again with a nine and zero field, and he just took about sixteen off the over all through mid-wicket. Just and he was giggling. He's yeah. Gone. Then he goes, they had a nine zero field. What do you think I'm going to do? I'm just going <laughs> to step across, and it's a free hit. Like you, you hit it anywhere, you can't get out. And he was just giggling. Um, yeah, that was the semi-final, and that was um, turned out to be the match-winning partnership, really, um, with what happened in the rest of that game. Being, I think we were twenty odd for or none for twenty odd overnight, and one nine down. So it was a pretty valuable stint on the first day. Um, yeah, some ripping poochy memories. Mm. Took some good catches over the years as well. Sort of unexpectedly like really important <laughs> catches yeah you'd be under a high ball or something and you go oh come on pooch you always hold them somehow you'd pluck them yeah and i guess other teammates uh that, that we sort of had a cordon um yourself for sort of keeping her in the slips uh, brownie was always first slip i was a gully then bubs would be a point we sort of had a yeah <laughs> we entertained ourselves for hours the hood. in there that was the hood the hood yes uh and he was special mention to, yeah, to Ross, um, sort of being that, yeah, we're lucky, sort of having those strong leaders that, like us, that would not spray it, but they'd, if you did, if I remember I was being a sook one day, and I think I got, I had to bat number 11, and I sooked up about it, and Ross, like, he might have sprayed me, or Dave McLean sprayed me, but it was like, a deserved no, spray, just, yeah, but then just keeping you in line, and then just, yeah, spray, yeah. and then straight away in your corner, and then like you're going to do this today, you're going to prove everyone wrong, you're going to go out and make ten not out, and I think I ended up batting with Ross, so yeah, really thankful for those sort of older guys that, um, yeah, taught you to don't like be a little selfish shit, but play cricket in the right way, and yeah, you'll get you'll get more out of it. And yeah, others sort of found like yeah, there's some players you just sort of play better with. Like I think 
batting wise, always bat well with Bubs. Just he's more and and Daddy similar reasons. They're just really um, engaged and really up for the battle. And I'll probably add Tom Collette to that as well. He's good to bat with. And bowling wise, yeah, Lincoln and Jim for sure. Uh, Lincoln mentioned that game against PSL. I think since then we've we've always just bowled really well together in partnerships and yeah Jim as well Jim's great to bowl with and I'll, I'll give a, a mention also one of my favourite teammates is uh, Max Knight I loved love playing with Maxi um, had a few really good partnerships with him uh, yeah he's very very funny obviously bowls bowls leg spin so it's good to sort of um, help him with a few things and always talk about spin bowling and then yeah batting I had a couple of really good partnerships I think one day he made like his top score was about 10 and then he made uh, like a 35 not out and we batted together for like a, over 100 runs so that was yeah that was great yeah I remember batting with Maxi a couple of times he was always sort of good value um, he was at the other end when I hit a couple of sixes in the last over one game so he was, was that there. against Mount Martha yeah yeah um, <laughs> That was when I had that Brad Hodge bat from Darty and and they were I think they were looking for the ball on the other side of Arkwell's lane. Maybe, <laughs> where, maybe where I'd hit it or maybe they were getting it off the roof. Um, can't remember, but I said oh, I think it cleared the roof. Here, um, here, Max, have a look at this. And I pulled the the grip down on the bat and it had the the B H under there. And he goes, "Oh, Brad Haddon." <laughs> and I was like, "No, Max, <laughs> it's Brad Hodge." Um, yeah, that was a pretty funny memory of max yeah i miss having maxi around max yeah. if you're listening come back and play cricket again we need your good humor and um funny tugger stories yeah that was a... <laughs> um yeah uh what was the other thing you said oh bowling with jim yeah um yeah i remember i sort of fielded in that little sort of short mid wicket a, a lot way back when you were you and jim would be bowling i'd sort of go across there a fair bit um with Darty at the sort of short cover um and it was sort of like the new ball bowlers would bowl, um, and you know whether they, whether the batsman had got away or whatever had happened, um, we'd bring on you and Jim, and it would just sort of the whole game would just change. Would, the, the whole complexion of the game would shift, you know, field would change, bowlers changed, and they would never score quickly, and we'd usually get a few wickets like in the middle order. And yeah, I always remember fielding short mid wicket, and, and really really loved it in there, being really close, close to the action, close to you bowling, like had sort of the best best view of, of everything that was going on. So mm. um, yeah, I really missed fielding in there when I when I lost that spot. <laughs> um, yeah, and the last one's obviously playing with your dads and uh, your brothers is is incredibly special. Yeah, so early days, like I mean, I mean just even getting a catch off dad or vice versa, it's, yeah, never forget those moments. Yeah, it's something, yeah, that we've lucky... Yeah, it's sort of been lucky enough to happen a little bit at Red Hill over the years. We've had a lot of sort of father-son combinations and, and family connections and that. So, yeah, definitely a big part of um, what's made Red Hill really a good place to be around. So that leads me into my, my last um, question. What, what do you think it is that makes Red Hill such a great club and sets Red Hill apart from from most other clubs? Yeah, the I think the, the couple of key pillars are yeah, there's really, really strong individuals in key aspects of the club. So we've been blessed on field with Darty, and that that sort of extends to to like culture with and training, where he's he was really set with his routines. Uh, every Tuesday, you're going you're going through fifth, fourth, third, seconds. Give a little shout out to um, people who who play well, and then you have your you're fielding, you're batting, bowling, and there's always that sort of um, figurehead that was obviously well respected or incredibly respected, and really strong with his messaging and constant with his messaging. And it didn't matter if he was talking to ones players, twos players, and you'd like often see him at the end of training going fours, bowling at the fours, seeing how they were going if they were on the bottom ground. So that sort of on-field had that strong pillar and then off field we got strong people that when some 
there's obviously going to be issues arise at, at any club, but whatever, big or small they are. But we've got strong people that that deal with those and they don't shy away from things. So people like Roscoe, they, yeah, he's been huge for the club in that off-field role, sort of just sorting out spot fires. And you've got great leaders uh, as well as like Ken, uh, yourself on the committee, Jay, that sort of group that's been there. Uh, so financially, we're in a good spot. And off the field, we're in a good spot. With uh, And then socially, it's just that third sort of level where it's excelled the Thursday night dinners. And even like the round tables, you've got all walks of life at a, at a career club because you've got, like, so I'm 30, we're playing with a 15-year-old, and like dad's almost, almost 70 now. So you've got that real variety of, of backgrounds and age bracket and age demographic. So it's having that sort of off-field sort of hub and social hub makes all that interaction really strong, which is really important. So I think Red Hill do that exceptionally well. And yeah, I think was it Nobby or, or Super mentioned the ground. That was definitely, like I, I didn't think of that either, but that's definitely a great great reason why it's such a good club and just things like playing in front of a market every every first Saturday of the month things like that if you if you get lucky enough to play in front of a market you've got such a buzz such a real sort of sort of country feel but it's a really good atmosphere uh, it's yeah yeah great part great spot to be yeah spot on that, that whoever first mentioned the location I think it was Nobby yeah it's yeah, massive part of it. Yeah, and the, the market days are always, yeah, it's that added layer of it. There's always something happening. Um, were you playing that game? Somebody hit a six into the tent and the guy came marching out onto the ground and like, yeah, go away. I feel like he might have been a police, but then we had Nick Sweetman was a detective. So he Alfred <laughs> he the policeman being there. <laughs> and got rid of him pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was him. Um, there's always something going on. Remember when the guy, um, wasn't that long ago, the guy came out and he wanted to, he had to pick up the um, the ATMs from from outside the club rooms after the market and he wanted us to stop playing so he could drive over the ground. <laughs> and somebody told him to, told him to uh, disappear pretty quickly. It was really funny. And he goes, he said something like, I do this every week and they stop for me. Like... No, you don't. We've never seen you before. Like, that was really, really funny. Um, yeah, yeah, spot on all about the, the social side of it and the different walks of life. And, you know, we've got such a wide range. We've got the, you know, the sort of the, the tradies and the professionals and the and the students and the everything in between and every ages. You know, we've got 14 or 15 all the way up to, you know, 70 just about with some of the old guys. And, yeah, if you're... There's, um, yeah, it's just a really good sort of cross-section of, of everything you get in society. So, mm, and, and things do change. Like, obviously, when I was coming through, we had a lot of young guys. But now it's sort of that in this, like, you've got a lot of um, father-son, like, a lot of the dads are coming and playing because their kids are playing, but they're, they're almost, like, driving that social side of it as well. Like, talk about, yeah, um, like the Heffernan family, the Spees family, Hanneman's, uh, there's Teasdale Smiths, there's just all these sort of good people coming through and driving that sort of, it's like new energy kind of thing. So it's, yeah. Yeah, they're all, all really good people and, and we've sort of... Um, and attracts more good people. Yeah, because we've had such a sort of strong, really you know, strong culture in the club, then when you get good people around, it, it, yeah, it sort of breeds breeds more and more of that and um you know some of those guys haven't really played a lot of cricket but they're they're coming up and playing and putting their hand up to volunteer and help out and stuff like that um because their kids are there and we've got such strong juniors now and, and they wouldn't be you know those guys wouldn't be doing that if we didn't have such a a great club to be around so it's sort of it's really um uh it's really encouraging to see that really sort of gratifying that we've been able to you know build a an environment that's so uh, inviting like that so yeah it's, it's really good to see the new sort of new older generation I guess um, mm. which uh, 
yeah, we're sort of lacking for a few years in the middle there, but it's really, really good now. All right, Marta, you got anything else you wanted to throw in? Uh, I think that might be it. Uh, yeah, I think so it covered most of it all, and yeah, it's been a good little, little, uh, I guess, what do you call it? A... Oh, I've lost it. Come on, find a word. What, you... what is it? It's been a good little exercise it's been cathartic yeah. <laughs> well i can't wait to um can't wait to get gus on we'll get gus and maybe we'll get gus and sean together and we'll just see where that conversation goes yeah that's that'll <laughs> definitely be a much must watch episode with with gus he'll um the gus episode will have the highest uh highest download numbers it, by an absolute mile yeah he's um, he's the most martin i think him and the martinist of the martins yeah he's, i want to get to the bottom of the story of how gus ended up at red hill i've heard little snippets of it but i want to I want to hear it from the man himself um sounds like it was a pretty good story <laughs> and hear a bit about his cricket a bit about his cricket um pre-red hill days which uh i think will be pretty interesting as well all right that's it stay stay tuned for the next one with whoever that is it's out so there's Mardo, another really fun chat. Looking forward to doing more and more face-to-face. I don't have another guest lined up as yet, so please get in touch if you would like. Please keep the ratings and the reviews and the likes coming with whatever platform you're using. It helps make the podcast more accessible and easier to find and should keep bumping up the numbers. So see you next time.